This morning's scripture reading is several different verses, so I invite you to flip in your bulletin to follow along. Uh, Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. James 1:19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And Proverbs 18:13, 21 to 22. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is, it is his folly and shame. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Sophie. Good morning, church. How are you? Really? I believe you. I really do. I'm thrilled to be here again, and I can tell that you are too. And I'm looking forward to talking with you here about, about as Mike said, love and marriage. Uh, last week, you'll remember if you were here, we talked about four key ingredients to have a healthy, thriving marriage. And we have a fifth ingredient that we want to talk about here this morning. And Mike wonderfully introduced that by reminding us that our key ingredient we're going to talk about today is communication. Good communication is an essential skill for a healthy marriage, and it's an essential skill in life, isn't it? It's an essential skill in the workplace. It's an essential skill in relationships. It's a critically important skill in parenting as well. And so we want to talk today about communication. We're going to say three things. We're going to talk about why communication is so difficult first, and then we're going to talk about some tips from the scripture, from Proverbs actually, on listening, and then some tips from Proverbs on expressing ourselves. So when you, when you speak, they say you're supposed to tell people what you're going to say, and then say it, and then when you're done, tell them what you just said. So that's, that's sort of what I just did there, I think. So we're off, we're off and running. Let's talk about why communication is so difficult. There's a variety of reasons. But one of them is because we communicate in different ways. We have different styles of communication, don't we? Uh, Tim and Joy Downs in their book, Fight Fair, do a fantastic job of describing some of these differences in styles that we can have in communicating and how that can sometimes cause a conflict or can cause difficulty. For example, one of you might be a land-the-plane communicator, and the other one is a little bit more, more of an enjoy-the-ride communicator. You know what I mean? Like a land-the-plane communicator wants to find the shortest path to complete the thought, finish the thought, land the plane, right? But an enjoy-the-ride communicator just thinks that, you know, the ride is kind of the, is the fun part. We're just not in a hurry. We're not trying to get anywhere in a hurry. We're, we're just happy to be talking. Now, when that person is having a conversation with a land-the-plane person, there can be some conflict, right? There can be some misunderstanding. Maybe this is the, the, uh, the different style of communication that you have in your relationship. Maybe it's one of you is a share-your-feelings communicator, and the other one is a just-the-facts communicator. Share-your-feelings people, uh, they, they feel deeply about what they're communicating, and for them, emotions are actually a part of the thinking process. In fact, sometimes with a share-your-feelings communicator, they're not satisfied that you've heard them until they think you are feeling what they're feeling. You know anybody like that? Well, when that person is having a conversation with a just-the-facts kind of communicator, 
sometimes there can be difficulty or conflict because just the facts communicators sort of set aside emotion. They sort of replace it with logic or reason or facts. For them, emotions interfere with good thinking. So maybe here we have some share your feelings communicators or we might have some just the facts ones. Finally, I'll say there's one more um, difference that is worth pointing out with regard to communication styles. What we're saying here is that sometimes communication is difficult not only in marriage but in relationships because we have different styles. For example, one of you might be a thinking out loud communicator. Thinking out loud people sort of don't even know what they're gonna say until they say it. And they go, yeah, that's what I meant to say, right? And then there are the let's take turns people. They sort of believe in the principle of justice and fair play. They have this, this idea that people should take turns when they communicate, like first I should listen, then I'll get to talk. But it doesn't always work out with a thinking out loud person, does it? Now as I, as I walk through these three differences, and again, I strongly recommend Tim and Joy Downs' book called Fight Fair, it unpacks this and a variety of other really great helpful things. I wanna ask you to just think about, are, you, are any of you here, would you say, and I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands if you're comfortable doing that, how many of you would say you're a land the plane communicator? You like to get to the point, land the point, okay. How many of you a little bit more enjoy the ride? Okay, how many of you are sort of share your feelings communicators? You communicate with emotion. How many a little bit more just the facts communicators? Good. Lastly, think out loud people, and then let's take turns types. Now, I, I didn't really notice every case, right? But I did notice a couple of examples where two people that look like they came in here together and are seated next to one another were raising their hands kind of at opposite times, right? Have you noticed that sometimes we're attracted to people that have different styles than we do, and that's okay? But it can cause some difficulty. Misunderstandings happen when we have different styles of communication. So we have to allow freedom for people to communicate in the style that is their preferred style, is their favorite way to do it. It's not wrong, it's just different. Say that with me if you would. It's not wrong, it's just different. Now say it as if you actually mean it. It's not wrong, it's just different. That is a huge idea in communication. We can promote healthy communication in our relationships when we're willing to adjust our style to fit the person that we're communicating with. Now, I, I met Alice when I walked in here this morning and discovered that Alice is from Taipei. And I told her that I, I was gonna tell a story this morning about a college professor I had at the University of Massachusetts. My, I studied history and political science at the University of Massachusetts. My advisor suggested that I take a class by a visiting scholar who was only gonna be on campus for one semester, a world-renowned scholar who was gonna be talking about Chinese government and politics. About 300 of us showed up for the first lecture. By about the third class, there were a couple of dozen. And the reason is because this wonderfully brilliant man, this is not a criticism by the way of him, but this wonderfully brilliant man was hard to understand because his accent was very difficult to decipher. You know what that's like, right? You're trying to talk to somebody and it's certainly not because they're not intelligent. Think about it, the man was actually lecturing in another language, right? But it was hard to listen to him, so this is what I did. I sat in the front row and I sort of leaned in, right? And I'm just listening, and I'm just trying to catch everything he says. And yeah, I'm not getting any of this at all. This is not coming through at all. 
until about the third class that I did that, and all of a sudden I began to pick up the rhythm, the cadence, the way he pronounced words, and it was like a world of wisdom and insight and knowledge was opened up to me. Why? Because I adjusted my style to fit his way of communicating. You know what, friends, in our marriages and in those relationships that really matter most to us, it is really important that we're willing to adjust our style to fit what it is that the the person that we're trying to communicate, what their style might be. That is one of the ways that we'll promote healthy communication in marriage. But it's, it's difficult. One of the reasons communication is tough is because we have different styles. Another reason it's difficult is because we sin. We just do. Um, our passage in Ephesians chapter 4 reminds us that we should get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. If we, if we will not recognize that it is the brokenness on the inside of us that needs to be redeemed, that needs to be forgiven. If we don't deal with some of those issues, it totally bleeds into the way we communicate with others. So ask the Lord to help you set aside some of those behaviors or habits that hinder communication. I talked last week about sarcasm and about how good I am at it. And it's not something to be proud of, really, because it doesn't actually foster understanding and communication. It actually can drive a wedge between you and the person that you're interacting with. Criticism does the same thing. Blaming does the same thing. Sometimes just being silent when actually you should speak, that's another thing that we sometimes need to repent of or move away from. So keep in mind, friends, that the gospel, well, first of all, the gospel is true, that forgiveness is possible, and that it actually can have a positive, powerful impact on the communication that you have in your relationships and especially in your marriage. One of the reasons why communication is difficult, first we said, is because we have different styles, but secondly, it's because we sin. And thank God that there's forgiveness. Let's talk about some tips now from, and we'll look at some of these from Proverbs. Some tips then for um, communicating well. We'll talk about listening first. You know why we talk about listening first? You should always listen first, right? Uh, first listen, then speak. James says it this way, James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That is really fantastic advice, isn't it? Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Listening well is an important skill, not only in marriage, but in many other relationships. And have you noticed that many people just want nothing more than someone to just care enough to listen to them. Just listen. Just, just listen, just kind of let the person talk. By the way, I'll just say this to the men. Ladies, you can just kind of, you can do something else for a minute, but let me just talk to the men for a second if I could. Um, you ever notice that sometimes we're the ones who are more likely to say, 
let, me, let me fix that for you. Let me sort of solve that problem for you. You know, like I, I think sometimes well, Susan will say to me, sweetheart, I don't need you to solve this problem for me. I just want you to listen. Now, sometimes I want Susan to just listen too. Susan, by the way, is very smart. Sometimes she can solve my problems for me also. But sometimes we just want someone, right, to care enough to listen to them. Years ago when we were living in Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, I was on a trip and came home from a trip and, and heard a conver- had a conversation with Susan that I'll not... I'll never forget. While I was gone, she was home alone in this still kind of unfamiliar house. We had just moved in and had, I think CJ was eight months old, something like that. Our oldest was eight months old. And Susan begins to smell smoke in our house, unfamiliar house. So didn't know what to do, couldn't figure out where the smoke was coming from. So called the fire department and said, listen, you don't have to send the fire trucks and all the, the noisy machines and all that, but there's smoke in my house somewhere, and I don't know where it's coming from. Can you help me? So, of course, what happens? Woo! They show up, right? You know why they do that with the horn, the, you know, the sirens and stuff? Because they have that stuff. <laughs> I mean, if you had that on your car, would you not turn it on any chance you got, right? So they show up to the house, they start looking for the smoke, and they can't find it. So they leave. Later, Susan still smells smoke, calls them back. Listen, please don't send all the trucks, but there's still smoke. Woo, here they came, right? Finally, one fireman discovers that this ancient refrigerator that came with the house, the motor was burning up, and that's where the smoke was coming from. Unplug the refrigerator, problem solved. I came home from a trip that afternoon, and like I was trained to do, I said, so sweetheart, how are you doing? And boy, did I ever get an earful about this terribly hard day that Susan had had. And what she needed me to do at that very moment was just listen. Not, which by the way, is what I wish I had done, by the way. That would have been genius. I didn't think of that at the moment. So I think I said, you called the fire department twice? What would you do that for, you know? But boy, it's, there are times in our lives when we simply just need someone to listen to us, Right? and let us express what we're thinking, what we're feeling. Here's a couple of thoughts for, ex- for listening well. The first idea comes from Proverbs chapter 7, verse 24. It says, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. The first principle in listening is give focused attention. You ever talk to somebody and you know they're not listening to you? You, you can kind of see they're looking away. They're not really focused on you. Maybe they're giving you kind of the uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And you just know you could slide anything in there and they would say uh-huh, uh-huh, because they're not paying attention. Giving focused attention. You ever have a little child maybe trying to talk to you, grab your face and sort of move your head so that they could say, I'm talking to you? Even kids know sometimes when we're not paying attention. One of the very important tips, again, from Proverbs 7, be attentive to what's being said. Second idea comes from Proverbs 18. Listen with acceptance and understanding. Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. Um, Sometimes we're not listening. You know what we're doing? We're reloading. You know what I mean by that? It's not, like, it's not like we're listening and our goal is I am trying to understand what you're saying. Rather, our listening is designed to prepare for our comeback. 
Our listening is simply reloading so that we can say what we want to say, so that we can make our point, so that we can get our sort of two cents in. And there are times in my life, with, in my relationship with the fabulous Susan, where I just have to stop and listen. And my goal here is not to judge. My goal here is not to throw a flag. My goal here is to simply try to understand what she's saying. By the way, do you know how you can tell if something that your spouse is saying is important? If they're saying it, it's important. Give focused attention. Listen with acceptance and understanding. Here's another tip that I'll suggest to you, and this one is tough. Like, this one actually requires a commitment to actually try it and practice it. And I will say to you, in marriage, this is a game changer. In relationships with friends, this is a game changer. In business, in the workplace, with teenagers, this is a fantastic tip. And it's to ask clarifying questions or make summarizing statements. People call this active listening. And uh, it, sort of, it sort of looks like this. You're having a conversation with someone. They're explaining something to you. You're trying to listen with acceptance and understanding. And in order to demonstrate that you really do understand what's being said, you say back to the person what you just heard them say. So what you'll, it'll sound something like this. So are you saying that? And then you say back what you've just heard. So are you saying that? And say it back. And then the person who's speaking says, yeah, that's it. Okay, got it. And now I can go back to watching my football game or whatever it is I was doing before that, right? I have heard what was being said. I demonstrated that by saying it back. That kind of active listening is hugely helpful in relationships. You ever have a conversation with somebody, maybe one of you is like this in your relationship, and you kind of have a conversation and it starts with this topic and then it goes to this topic and then it goes to this topic and then it goes to here and all of a sudden you're kind of all over the place and you're not even really sure what we're talking about. A great question to ask there is listen for the theme, listen for the thread, listen for the thing you think is most important and maybe say something like this. Hey, can you tell me a little bit more about, say a little bit more about this. Let them say a little bit more about it. Okay, so what you're telling me is, and then say it back. It is unbelievable how that affirms the person who is speaking. The person is essentially going to think to themselves, I'm being heard. I'm, I'm really being heard and understood. And then final, final tip for, for listening. And this is one that I had to learn the hard way. Focus on what is being said, not the way it's being said. Oh boy, we love, to, we love to avoid having to hear, I should say, I have been known to try to avoid having to hear what I don't necessarily want to hear by sort of criticizing the tone or the way it's being expressed to me. Early in our marriage, I used to do this with Susan a lot. She would be saying something to me maybe I didn't want to hear. Maybe it was something that I felt self-conscious about, but she needed to say it. I should have listened. But instead, I would say something like, uh, you know, Susan, I, I don't appreciate your tone. To which Susan would sort of say, oh, I'm sorry, and kind of back up. Great plan, right? Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that a brilliant way of avoiding having to hear things that you don't want to hear? And one day I said that to Susan. Hey, don't, you know, I don't really appreciate your tone. And she said, okay, I, I get that. But did you hear what I just said? 
Well, that was the last time I was able to get away with that ploy, right? And I realized the, the important thing here is, now, it's not okay to use ugly tone. It's not okay to use ugly language, that, right? That, we don't do that. But it really is so much more important, if you want to actually be a good listener, to pay attention on what is being said, not the way it's being said. Okay, do you, who wants to be a better listener? Okay, good. Think about it. Which of these tips is the most useful to you, do you think? Is it giving focused attention? Is it listening with acceptance and understanding instead of reloading? Is it asking clarifying questions? Or maybe is it focusing on what's being said, not the way it's being said? Okay, we're going to wrap up by talking about some tips for expressing yourself well. You got to listen, but you also have to speak. Carefully chosen words are really the best way to express your thoughts and feelings. So four things to think about if you want to be a good communicator. First, think before you speak. All those in favor of that say aye. Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy in an apt answer. How delightful is a timely word. Think before you speak. Uh, one time when our kids were little, we were on our way to church. And you know how that feeling, some of you have little kids and you're on the way to church and you're trying to get everybody out of the car and into church. And on the way in, Susan says something to me. She said, Hey, sweetheart, remind me, after church, I need to talk with you about something. Oh, my gosh. On the whole service, I'm sitting here thinking, what did I do? What did I say? What is wrong, right? I told you yeah, last week that I have a, uh, you know, I, sometimes I have a guilty conscience because I'm guilty, right? On the way out of church, Susan says to me, oh, yeah, what I wanted to tell you is we should invite the, the so-and-sos over. We never see them anymore. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I spent the whole service trying to figure out what I did wrong. I said, sweetheart, I'm going to have to go to the 11 o'clock service. I missed the 9 o'clock entirely. It's a timing thing, right? Think about what you want to say, but sometimes it's about timing. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes, some of you people, when, you, when it's time to go to bed, you want to talk, right? If, right? It's bedtime. And I'm in bed, and Susan might want to talk, and I think, I don't want to talk right now. I want to sleep, right? So sometimes it's about timing. If, I'm, if you're hungry, eat, then talk, right? Think before you speak. Secondly, keep in mind that not everything you're feeling needs to be expressed. Sometimes silence is the best response. Proverbs 10, 19 puts it this way. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Sometimes, friends... Silence is the best. You don't have to express everything you're thinking or feeling or want to say. Ask questions. That's a third tip to help make sure you're being understood. This is kind of the complimentary tip to the active listening one. Sometimes when I'm explaining myself or trying to communicate, I'm trying to make my point, and I'll, I'll sometimes say this. How am I doing? Am I, am I making myself clear? You know what I just did for the listener? I gave them the opportunity to say, no, not really. Can you try that again? It's different, by the way, than saying to somebody, say back to me what I just said. Don't do that. That's not nice, right? That's kind of a foul. But taking responsibility to make sure I'm communicating clearly by asking, hey, how am I doing? Am I communicating this clearly? Does this make sense? Really helps. And then finally, with regard to expressing yourself, again from Ephesians 4, 29, speak in a way that encourages. We talked about this last week. 
but the world is full of people and full of messages that are designed to tear us down. So we should really speak in a way that encourages, as the passage says there in Ephesians 4, in a way that is fit for building up people, not tearing them down, encouraging, not discouraging, giving grace to those who hear. As we wrap up, I want to sort of take us all the way back to the beginning last week. And in Ephesians 5, of course, Paul references Genesis 2 and the oneness that he designed for marriage. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Oneness is the goal in marriage. Sadly, we tend to drift toward isolation and we find ourselves isolated. But I'm always encouraged that God gives us a way back. He gives us a way back to the oneness that we need. I'm reminded of a story that I first heard in Alice Gray's book, Christmas Stories from the Heart. She talks about a pastor, young pastor and his wife who went to New York City to plant their first church in an old abandoned church building. They arrived late summer. They thought if they work really hard all fall, they can get the building ready, perhaps have their first services on Christmas Eve. And so they worked really hard that year. And by Christmas, the church was ready. But sadly, a storm blew through the city and some plaster on the wall kind of uh, leaked and the, all the wall behind the pulpit was a mess and unfortunately the pastor thought we may have to cancel service for Christmas Eve, unfortunately. As he was leaving the building that day, he noticed that there was a flea market happening and he was gonna go over and meet the neighbors. And so he did and saw a beautiful tablecloth that was hand sewn and it had a, a cross on it. And he thought, you know, that might be just big enough to cover that mess behind the pulpit so maybe I'll buy it and we'll see if we can put that up there. On the way back to the church, he saw an old woman sort of running to catch the bus and she missed the bus and it was cold and damp so he invited her in to, to sort of stay warm while she waited for the next bus. He got the ladder, got the hammer, hung the thing up and it was perfect. So excited because now they can do Christmas Eve service after all. When he turned around, he saw the old woman staring straight ahead toward the pulpit and her face was ashen. And she said to the pastor in an accented voice, where did you get the tablecloth? It seems it was just like one that she had made years before in Austria, and they discovered that her initials were actually sewn in the corner. This was her tablecloth. She told the pastor that when the Nazis came through her village, her husband packed up all their belongings. He sent her to be safe with family, but he never saw her. they never saw one another again. Well, the pastor said, you should, you, know, you should take it back. You should have your tablecloth back. No, you, you keep it. I want you to have it. Well, the least I can do is give you a ride home. So he gave her a ride home. Well, Christmas Eve comes, and it's not packed, but there are people there, and they seem to be enjoying the service, and it's great. The last guest leaves, and the pastor turns around, and he sees an old man staring straight ahead, looking at the, the cross, and the man said in an accented voice, where did you get the tablecloth? Because it was just like one that his wife made years ago in Austria. And he described that when the Nazis came through, he packed up their belongings, sent her to be safe, but then he was arrested and sent to a camp and he never saw his wife again. Amazing. And the pastor asked him if he'd like to go for a ride. And there before his tear-filled eyes, he saw a tremendous Christmas reunion, but more importantly, friends, 
he saw a husband and a wife being given a second chance. And we find ourselves, don't we, in marriage, frequently in need of another chance to pursue oneness, another opportunity to communicate the love that we know we want to communicate and that with God's help we can communicate. And I hope that if you need to, you'll take that second chance to pursue oneness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these dear friends and for the truth of the gospel that you are a God of second and third, multiple chances because of your great love for us. Lord, help us to take whatever step we need to take to pursue oneness in our marriages and to communicate love in all of our relationships to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.